The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Welcome to Brown Table Talk. I'm DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engage. I'm also a Wall Street alum and recently named Top 21 WBE CEOs. I am here with my co-host, yes, the Mita. Hey there, Mita. Hi, D. Marshall. I'm Mita Malik. I'm a business leader, a DEI executive, and most importantly, a working mother. And so the story goes like this. Mita and I started this podcast really to spill the tea, to talk about all things women of color in corporate workspaces and in business. And so I lend my perspective as a Black woman and Mita shares her perspective as a South Asian woman. And so we are unpacking everything um, on the table. This is part of our conversations that we have offline via text, phone, email, on the bat line. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to provide you with tips on how to survive, but not only how to survive, how to thrive where you are. So Mita, what are we talking about on today's show? Okay. So what are we going to talk about, D? It's something you call a boss move. And that is how to negotiate the best offer for yourself, for all of us. How do you do that? Dee and I have talked about this over the years. And so Dee and I are going to share some stories, some juicy details, and then we're going to leave you as we always do with five tips to think about how you can get the best offer for yourself and make sure you are valued for the talent and the wealth of knowledge you are bringing to your organization. So Dee, I know you've got so many stories, but share a story about a boss move, as you would call it, when it comes to negotiations. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two stories. I have a personal story of me negotiating a business deal, but I also have a story of an executive woman and we're literally sitting at breakfast and we're strategizing on her transition from one Fortune 10 to another Fortune 10. She is literally contemplating this dilemma, Mita. You know how when you leave a corporation, um, if it's a financial services one, you have to dissolve, I think, your 401k or some of your stock, stock options, actually. Well, she was going to take a hit um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 150k, right? Yes. Ouch. Say ouch. 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 And I said, time out, time out, time out. I said, uh... You, uh, uh, certainly, this is um, something that you have to do. So you you do have to dissolve or manage and release your stock options and incur the loss. However, you do not have to incur the loss. The loss belongs to the company, your new company, who is making you the offer. And so what I said to her is, here is your boss move. Here is the play that I want you to run. Go back to them and say, you're at a loss of 150K over here, and that's what you need from them. And she says, how do I do that? Here's the deal, Mita. Ask them, what did they offer to the last three partners 
what was the compensation package of the last three partners. In other words, this corporate executive was being offered a job as a partner, but she had this dilemma. And what I said to her, and I'll say um, always, is just ask them, what did you do for the last three? Because there was a white cisgender male, there's a white male who had this very same dilemma, and whatever they did for him, ask them to make sure that they are being fair and equitable and reasonable and do the same, right? And don't ask them for a specific number. Ask them, what did you do for the last three partners in this situation? Is that powerful or what? So did everyone just hear that? That is amazing. Ask them what you did for the last three partners that you brought in. So it's not even about me personally. It is, are you being fair and equitable for all the individuals that you're bringing in at the senior level? That is amazing. You know what's interesting, Dee? And this for me must be cultural. It's really tough to talk about money. I have always felt in my career, people are giving me this number. I should be happy. I should be happy that I'm getting the offer. I should be happy that I'm getting this job. I should not be asking for more. And so I can't tell you the number of times in my career I have not negotiated anything. And even when I asked for 5K more, I was like, oh, I shouldn't be asking for more. I should just be happy with what they're giving me. And then recruiters who have been like, well, this is fair and reasonable. Almost again, why are you asking? You shouldn't be asking. You should be happy with what we're giving you. But you know what, Mita, you're far removed from who you were. In fact, I want to pause here. I think I started this whole boss move of negotiation. In fact, I remember even creating a whole panel around you and the theme because you had done something so interesting in negotiating a deal. And so if you're open to sharing your story of when you negotiated, you know, differently from how many people think in terms of negotiating a next job and some of the things that you asked for, um, and not just compensation, but anything that you're willing to share in the way of a story, you know the story. I know the story and you know the story. I think we'll talk about this as we get into our five tips that we'll leave our listeners with. Base compensation, stock options, sign-on bonus, anything in the monetary realm is negotiable. We can talk about that. The things that people don't think about are the benefits, right? I've had friends who have negotiated a better adoption or surrogacy leave policy going into a new company. Vacation, right? I want an executive coach. I want to hire DC Marshall. Please do if she's taking clients. But there are so many things you negotiate. And when I was looking at what I wanted to do next, there were a number of things that were important to me. But one, D, as you know, I'm a passionate storyteller and writer. And so I write for Entrepreneur and Harvard Business Review and a number of publications. And I wanted to make sure wherever I was going that they would be comfortable with that. And I'm always about sharing positive thought leadership. But I didn't want it to be a surprise. Oh, why is she writing for these publications? So that's something I was very clear on. And the second thing I wanted to bring up was that I am interested in serving on a board preferably a public board, and I'm on my board journey. But those are things that you should be talking about up front so that later on your employer isn't like, well, why is, why is she doing this and why is she doing that? Like, we never talked about that. Oh, no, this was all discussed up front. And I think most employers will be happy if they understand the new way of the world and talent 
if I am showing up in the world positively as an ambassador, putting out my thought leadership, it reflects really well on the company as well. So let me just say this. I'm going to take a pause and do a shameless plug. If you don't take anything else away from our podcast, this tip and what Mita, Mita, what you just shared is for every woman in corporate America. And let me tell you why. I have two thoughts specifically about what you just shared and why everyone needs to take a page out of your book and run this play negotiating your ability to own your voice in social media is was important, but it's a blind spot. Many people would not think about it. And what do we see when we go to Twitter, or if we go to your LinkedIn, everybody's bio says, um, my opinions and my thoughts are my own. Why? Because now as an executive, as per, a corporate professional, you're having to justify and sort of buffer and filter and managing what you're saying and not saying and also for some professionals in terms of their ability to speak, to do public speaking and other things, at an executive level, you have to be approved for that in corporate America, right? And so my point is, I just really wanted to say, if if there is anything, I think of all of your work, Mita, that negotiation, that boss move was very powerful because a lot of corporate executives are not able to podcast. They're not able to speak. They're not able to write. Why? Because they did not negotiate to own their voice. Sidebar, talk about ownership. Like we don't have enough time on this podcast, but the reason I get a little riled up about this, Mita, and you know, because that's some, you know, there's a little bit of that. That's that cultural trauma and like ownership thing. When it comes to Black women, it's like, who owns us? And so forgive me. No, I'm not going to apologize. But you see why it's it's the fact that you are negotiating or the tip here is to negotiate to own you. You own your voice. You own your name. You own your likeness. Look, we don't have enough time, but even in sports, there was recently a decision to allow athletes to own their likeness. Do you know how insane that is? Yep. You know, Mita, I want to really tease out what you just said, because I think, I mean, there's so much about you that I appreciate, respect, uh, friend, colleague, you know, and all of the work, but this boss move and what you just shared is really powerful and a lesson for everybody for these two reasons. One, when you negotiated to own your voice for the most part, right, which allowed you to continue to contribute to Harvard Business Review, Entrepreneur, Forbes, Fortune, Business Insider. I mean, you are a thought leader and that was important to own your voice, but it's also the counter of what so many executives are doing right now. They are having to, on all of their social, to justify and manage what they're putting out. And so in everybody's bio on social, it says, my voice is my own. And and that's a very real thing of, of, you know, executives and people having to distinguish their voice from their employer. And then the other is executives wanting to speak and do more and needing permission from their employer to do that, to really speak out. So even if you are and have, uh, you know, amazing thought leadership, a lot of executives are not able to do that because they did not know or do what you said. And so I really just wanted to tease out 
your response is an answer and a solution to a problem. And I've had clients, executives, where they had to literally go to, you know, corporate counsel, legal, and get approval to podcast, to speak, to do this, that, and the other. So that's reason number one. I would say that is a page that everyone needs to take from your book to negotiate that I need to be able to contribute and to continue to own my voice and do this, right? And yes, I am entertaining offers to be on a board. I told you, Mita, you're like everybody's dream. They just don't know it yet, right? On corporate boards. So that's reason number one. The second reason your story and your boss move is powerful is also because you negotiating to own your voice allowed you to contribute and to continue to be a thought leader, which is how I would say you got to LinkedIn top voice. What did that do for you? It increases your competitive advantage. So for everybody in corporate negotiating the move to own your voice and to be able to speak publicly and contribute publicly, then increases your competitive advantage. So when you're going for the next job or the next opportunity or even a board seat and and you are a candidate, you now own who you are and you're able to have the visibility without having corporate manage and mute you. I have a friend who was suspended, highest ranking, Black and female, at a powerful system. She was suspended for a Facebook post. And so that's why you negotiating to own your voice, it allows you to be who you are as a woman. So let me pause there because I know I can get really super excited. See, the credit goes to you. I always say I come from the school of DC Marshall. <laughs> I was a client of your four years ago, and now you can't get rid of me. But you had said to me, you have a voice, you have stories, you have things to share, get out there and start sharing, which is what I started doing. But I will tell you, the other piece of advice I have is when my values no longer align with an organization, I will no longer be there anymore. And so I am not the person who will be indicting the organization I work for while I work there. So that is also, you have to remember that. You have to remember who is writing your paycheck. And so for me, I'm all about storytelling, teaching, positive love and light. That is the way in which I choose to do this work and to teach. And so that you have to remember, because what is it ultimately that someone is afraid of? That I'm going to tweet somebody indicting people I work with without ever having that conversation. And I would say, that's just something you can't do. Because if you choose to do that, I would say, then you should no longer be working in that organization. But if you set it up to say, hey, I, I want to share what we're doing. I want to share my thoughts and my leadership. I think that most companies would be okay with that. But you have to make the ask, as you would say. Make the ask. The other thing I wanted to tease out, Dee, is that I know I have changed a lot in the years that we have known each other. But I would say culturally... As a South Asian woman, as the proud daughter of Indian immigrant parents, I was never taught to ask. It was always about deferring to authority. The elders are right. Everyone's an auntie and an uncle, which I teach my children. Everybody's an auntie and uncle. You don't call anyone. It's auntie. You don't call anyone by their first name. But that, from a young age, then stays with you. So that you're in, I'm walking into organizations. I want to be a boss. I want to make boss moves. But I feel uncomfortable. But, oh, but this person's in a position of authority. 
I don't know if I have the right to ask for that. And I should just be happy with what I'm getting. So that for me, culturally, is where it comes from. And I've had to fight against that every single day when I walk into The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Work. I love the cultural nuance because I think that's the... I mean, I know when we started this, when we talked about starting this Brown Table Talk together, Mita, we always could look at things from our cultural lens and knew that there was significant value. And I'll say this because I know we're going to wrap up and get to tips. When I got... Uh, super amped up about teasing out you owning your voice. Well, let me just share what the cultural nuance is as to why that is meaningful for me, for you to own your voice. Because as a Black woman, right, as a product of enslaved people who were brought to this country, ownership is a sensitivity for us right and so so that's why i uh, that was important for me and that's why i think it was powerful for you to do that because i get really frustrated and even angry at times that when i hear in corporate for women who are not able or when women say you know my company won't allow me to do that or i'm not able to do xyz so i love that you provided a solution and to turn the corner whether or not an organization changes or not whether or not they have or in, or focused on creating a culture of inclusivity or not you gave the answer to just negotiate, make the boss move to ask for what you need. So um, I'm going to go over to you to bring us to tips so we can we can wrap up. Okay, this is what everyone has been waiting for, D. What are our top five tips, takeaways on how to negotiate the best offer for us? So I'm going to take it away with number one. Here you go. Lean in. Do not tell recruiters what you currently make. Tell them what you would like to make. I have made the mistake of giving the number 100K because that's what I currently make. And the offer comes back as 100K. And now there is less room to negotiate. So think about the job that you are trying to get, what those roles and responsibilities are, and what is the value of that job, not what you currently make now. That is number one. Number two, 
please, please, please share your offer with your trusted network to get feedback and guidance. And this goes back to the fact that I was just culturally ingrained, trained not to talk about money. You don't talk about money. And if you don't talk about money, you don't know if you're being underpaid. And so having been someone who came from a public company and went to a private company, I had no idea if my package was fair. And I was so happy that the one person who worked at a private equity firm, just an amazing mentor in my life, took the time to walk through my offer and said, yeah, this is a really good offer. Because I had no idea. And number three, before I turn it over to D, number three, we have talked about this. Think beyond the compensation, right? You've got to get the base, the equity, the stock grants, the options, all of that. You have to get that right and in a good place that you feel that you are being valued appropriately. But I'll say it again. I want DC Marshall as an executive coach. Need you to pay for that. Any leadership and development opportunities. I am doing family planning. I want to understand your adoption surrogacy leave policy. What's your vacation time? I mean, do you offer financial advisors? Make your list of what you want and then make sure you include that in the ask. Okay, D, over to you for four and five. Number four, make sure you're set up for success career-wise. So now it comes down to headcount and budget. And I will share, recently, I have seen a Black executive female be compensated close to fairly, but she had no headcount. And so that is where there is, um, I'm going to say, a blind spot and there is an opportunity, particularly being on the other side of the diversity tipping point of where companies are being scrutinized in not just compensation, but budget. What is your budget to do your job and how many uh, resources do you have? How many FTEs do you have? And then number five, the last one is if you don't ask you don't get asked. There's even research and data to say women or to challenge the fact that we don't get what we deserve as women and as women of color in particular, because we don't ask. And Mita mentioned some of this is cultural um, on both sides as Black women, as Black people, and even Mita mentioned she gave the story as a South Asian woman. And so here is a way to ask. When you are negotiating your deal right now, use and borrow from us. And you can say this. So you, considering the fact that the U.S. is right now amplifying the disparity in pay between women, um, 62 cents or whatever it is, 60 something cents on the dollar to white men, and then women of color below that. So for black women, it's lower for uh, South Asian women. Uh, Actually, South Asian women is, I think, somewhere higher. Um, And then Latina women. So considering that, would you employer, uh, honor the integrity clause and compensate me no less than what you compensate the others, right? And so have that conversation. That is the way, the new way to negotiate your worth. Put it on the table and do not be afraid. Use the framing, would you honor the integrity clause? And if I ask for less, you would honor the integrity clause and not pay me less, but pay me comparable considering where we are. And so Mita, I know we got to wrap, my friend. Wow. 
I am number five. You heard it here first. Number five has blown me away. Blown me away. Well, this is Brown Table Talk, and you heard it here first. Our five tips that we had for how to negotiate the best offer for us. I'm Mita Malik with my good friend DC Marshall. If you enjoyed our conversation, please give us a like, please give us a review, share with your friends, and we will see you next time. Thank you. 